You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. It has arrived, our annual, obligatory, official season preview. It's a whole new year. This is a whole new team with new players, and even the players that are back, it's a new dynamic because others aren't here. It's a new season. It's going to be exciting. That is the one and only Tom McGinnis, and we've got a roundtable with him and Devon Givens to set the table for the upcoming campaign. The one thing that I do like, there's no more iterations of this team. This team is together from day one. And I think being together from the very beginning may help with that. From managing expectations to what signs could carry over from a promising preseason, we cover it all on this episode of The Broadcast. We did it. We made it. We're here. The start of the 2019-20 regular season. The 71st season in Philadelphia, 76ers franchise history. And there couldn't be a better way to tip it all off than hosting your arch rival, the Boston Celtics, continuing the rivalry series that's been played more frequently than any other in the history of the NBA on opening nights. How you doing? I'm Brian Seltzer. Hope you are as pumped up and fired up and excited and as ready to go as I am. We're going to sit down with Tom McGinnis and Devon Givens in just a few moments, but we'll open by issuing reminders to you that if you have not yet become a subscriber or a follower to our podcast, you can get us just about anywhere you get podcasts these days. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Just type in Sixers Podcast Network. That will take you to our feed, and please do sign up. We'll have episodes coming to you regularly throughout the season, the day after every game with Rewind, and then one episode of the broadcast, or perhaps more, depending on the occasion, each week. And before we get to T-Mac and Devon, we bring you this week's edition of our opening tip. It's been building, and now it is finally here. The Philadelphia 76ers on the cusp of starting a brand new season. 
few seasons, however, at least in recent memory that I could think of, have come with the anticipation, and really more than that, the hype that this one has. Just listen to this sampling of soundbites. Al Horford went to Philadelphia. Changes the dynamic for me. I'm going to say it's Philadelphia coming out of the East. I'm taking Philly. We got to presume that everyone's healthy, right? But if that's what happens with the talent on this team, they should at least be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe the Finals, and they certainly have a shot to win it all. I got to tell you something. What I'm most excited about, this is the best team in the Eastern Conference. I'm going out on the limb right now. I'm going to ride or die with the Philadelphia 76ers. I love Philadelphia. You, of course, know how the story goes. The 76ers getting burned by not one, not two, not three, but four bounces in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference semifinals in May. After that setback, the 76ers went into the offseason with a vengeance, revamping and reloading throughout the offseason. We're doing everything we can to bring another NBA championship to the city of Philadelphia. Believe that. That was 76ers general manager Elton Brand. This is ESPN's Brian Windhorst. In an era of, a, of offense in the NBA where defense is second, third, fourth priority, we saw the Sixers prioritize defense this year, and they did it to a big way. You look at what they've done, their starting lineup has some of the most length that you could ever maybe see in the history of the NBA. Versatile defenders who can guard multiple positions. Al Horford is one of the most versatile big men defenders the league has seen in the last 25 years. And then you have a, a point guard who's six foot ten, who's extremely uh, long and like that. So they're putting out a lineup that is one of the tallest, most athletic and most intense, uh, talented defensive lineups we've ever seen. To construct a roster shaped with that composition, the Sixers did several headline deals. Tobias Harris, re-signing right away. The dramatic addition of Richardson in a sign-and-trade with Miami Heat. And the crafty procurement of Horford from the Celtics. But for as much change as there was to the 76ers' projected starting lineup going into this year, the bench underwent a considerable overhaul as well, with four new faces joining the mix. The end result is, as Windhorse described, a squad that is massive, athletic, explosive, versatile, smart, defensively inclined, and deep. Expectations are understandably high, not just externally, but internally as well. For us, you know, we're brothers. Uh, we got, we're going to be together for a long season, uh, and I'm looking forward to it, so we got to build that chemistry early. we got huge goals. Uh, obviously, the end goal is to win it all. Uh, and uh, I gotta be the main catalyst uh, to make it happen. Uh, so, you know, I gotta do my job as a leader. Uh, and I gotta lead those guys. Uh, I'm gonna need them. Uh, they're gonna need me, so we all gotta do whatever we're supposed to do. Taking the temperature of the team the last few days, it's clear there's a sense of focus and readiness about the group. The head coach has been sticking to a measured outlook. Since his first sit-down of the season with reporters for his annual media luncheon back in September, Brown has been stressing potential and patience. Yes, the Sixers do have a wealth of ability, he's acknowledged, but that doesn't mean the team will be a finished product come game one. Talent and time. Talent and time. Brown's refrain has been steady the past month. It's early days, and I said, and I'll say it probably many, many times in front of you all, 
talent does not trump time. And like, what does that mean? I do, I feel like I know, I know what it means. We've gotta like stay sane. You know, we gotta stay sane and like try to grow this thing where we can really feel responsible, where we've delivered something as perfect as perfect as we can make perfect in April 15th. And uh, that's, the ang that's the excitement and responsibility I feel. That's no arbitrary date that Brown threw out there. April 15th is the final day of the regular season. And for all intents and purposes, if we're calling it like it is, that's when Judgment Day for the 76ers will really begin. The Sixers of the last two seasons absolutely, rightfully, had their eyes on the Larry O'Brien trophy. But to a certain extent, they were also still trying to figure out what they were capable of doing. In 2018, we had a sense of what the Sixers could achieve. Then they showed us with an inspired run. Last spring, the Sixers appeared to be even more formidable heading into the postseason, but they ran into an unstoppable force and as teammates of destiny. This year, to the Sixers' credit, from everyone who's up in Camden to down in Wilmington, Delaware, the rallying cry is the same. It's a parade down Broad Street. The Sixers truly believe it might be in the cards, and you can't blame them. Expectations are being fully embraced. It's now time to see what road the 76ers travel. This is really kind of the new focus in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers are a new team and a new contender, and they have star power, and they're doing something rather audacious with this roster. It's not that often that you say goodbye to an all-star and bring in an all-star in the same offseason, in an offseason where they were maybe one shot away from winning the NBA title. And I know that's hard to hear, but at the same time, it's also the truth. A truth that very much seems to be fueling the 76ers as they start anew. That's our opening tip for this week. And this is a general tip on how you might be able to get into the center to catch some 76ers games in South Philadelphia this season. Partial plans are on sale now. A limited number of partial season ticket plans have been reserved for the general public, and now is your chance to get in on yours. Enjoy a discount on ticket pricing, an interest-free monthly payment plan, playoff priority, and more. For information, go to sixers.com slash partials, or you can email tickets at 76ers.com or pick up the phone and call 215-339-7676 for more details on 76ers partial season ticket plans. In our opening tip segment, we heard a couple sound bites from several prominent NBA media personalities, people like Rachel Nichols, Stephen A. Smith, Charles Barkley, and Brian Windhorst. And as I bring in two additional reputable NBA media personalities, talking about Tom McGinnis from the 76ers Radio Network, getting ready for another season behind the mic, and Yvonne Givens, who you can always hear on the mic after Sixers games on In the Post on our flagship radio station 97.5 The Fanatic. I got to ask you guys, going back to Media Day, there was such a strong national media presence at the 76ers training complex in Camden. They've been a talking point on nationally syndicated talk shows, on podcasts, TV shows. Is the hype justified? Is this degree of hype appropriate? I totally agree with what they're saying the hype is out there and i think it's real with what the team has been 
put together the way Elton Brand has, again, pivoted from moving on from two very important players in J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler to what you've come to have now with Al Horford and Josh Richardson in your starting lineup and keeping Tobias Harris here as well. The way that we've looked at this league the last few years with the Golden State style and you trying to keep up with them. Not many people can keep up with them. You have to go with your own style. Even the Houston Rockets went with their own style. It may not have worked to get them to the finals and ultimately the championship. You have to go with your own style. And Elton Brand decided we're going with our own style, which is big. And we have these two franchise players, these all-stars in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Now let's go get these other pieces. Even though shooting is so huge in today's game, Let's go big, let's go large, and let's make them stop us. So we're not conforming to the rest of the league. Let's see what the league now does with all of the adjustments that we have made to our roster, plus the bench, the versatility overall with what this team is. I think the hype is real, and I think the hype is warranted with what this new team looks like. I would agree. Good points all, Devon. And so, uh, because it is, it's a roster that is – you know, doesn't have a lot of holes. You know, you have really good players at every spot. You have great bench. It's certainly, I think, the without question, the deepest roster the Sixers have had since even the 83, going back to the 83 championship team. I mean, even the 2001 team that won the Eastern Conference, you know, th- this roster man for man is better than those that, that team. And that team was built around a superstar, but it was built a certain way. Whereas this, you got a five-time All-Star in Al Horford, an up-and-coming young player in Josh, as Devon said, Tobias Harris, and then two All-Stars and two players that are going to continue to get better in Joel and Ben. But uh, without question, you can see why there's a lot of uh, attention about the Sixers, and right now deservedly so. I'm sure you guys get questions like this from people to you in your lives who are close to you, whether it's family members or friends. They may say stuff like, man, this has got to be such a fun gig for you right now because the team is so great and it's winning now and it's successful. And that's true, but I guess more from like a journalistic and broadcasting background, what excites me is when things change. Now, obviously, it's it's better when things change for the better and not the worse, but when there's fresh storylines and things are constantly changing. So last year was really fascinating from that point because the Sixers had essentially three different teams, and now this year it's kind of like a fourth different team. And I, me personally, I'm really excited and amped to get to know guys like Josh Richardson and Al Horford a little bit better. And that's not even mentioning what they're going to bring to the team on the court. But this does, to me, feel like a different team, not just in terms of personnel, but I think probably in the way we're going to see the team play, right? Uh, Well, without doubt. And uh, as far as change, like you say, there probably won't be as much change as there has been even not just last year, but leading up to this. And, okay, so you're talking about outside forces and how they say the excitement – it's a different – now, last year the Sixers had big expectations, and, and and internally everybody realizes this is the time. But it's certainly not anything we're used to, and I say that as a collective whole, like uh, as an organization, because they were on the rise. And now that's the only thing when everybody comes up to you and says, this is – you know, it's it's a little bit different with – and I'm, I'm bullish also, but it's a – teeny bit of trepidation where it's expected it's it's nothing is given you know even if again even if you like I go back to the Utah Jazz teams and 
even if you make the finals, even if you win the championship, it's a whole new year. This is a whole new team with new players, and even the players that are back, it's a new dynamic because others aren't here. It's a new season. So it's going to be exciting. And to watch it unfold, though, we really don't know. That's the whole thing. Like, you know, people make projections in a given game about a season. It's sports. You don't know what's going to happen. That's why live events are so cool. And that, from our position, to be able to call the games and, and watch it unfold, that, that is exciting. So there probably are going to be an, an, an innumerable number of exciting moments. And you've got great storylines with Matisse Thibel and, you know, Tobias getting a bigger role. Um, but it is a different vibe in that it's it's almost like I said, it's expected. And, you know, no longer are the Sixers the Hunters – now, in a way, they're at the top. They're the hunted because they are expected to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and potentially to the NBA Finals. And, you know, last year toward the end, I, I remember saying to Brett Brown, all right, it was to the postseason. Everybody expected you guys to win 50 games, and now it's all about the playoffs. And he kind of took a look at me. He's like, Phew. Well, I'm glad you guys had us penciled in for 50 games because <laughs> as a coach, right. you know, that's not an easy thing. I mean, it's it, when they did it, you know, two years in a row, it hadn't been done for 16 years prior. So that's all I'm saying is that it's not, it's easier said than done. Now, now is the time for the part of doing and executing and, and getting it done as you build for what you hope would be a seven, eight month season. And that part, if, if you borrow the phrase, that new norm from across the street with the football team, the new, the new norm, of course, is the 50 wins. That's to be expected. Now it is time to your point, taking that next step of being the hunted instead of being the hunter because we've seen the two playoff series dropping in the second round in the last two seasons. It's about progressing from there now. And the one thing that I do like about everything that you just said and Brian is talking about with this team is it's there's no more iterations of this team. This team is together from day one. And if they're able to do what they need to do by implementing everything that Brett Brown and the coaching staff wants to do and how they want to play, they don't have to – Unless something changes, they don't have to get things together in November when a new player comes in and you're moving someone out. And the same thing at the trade deadline and possibly the buyout period. Right now, this looks like this is what's going to be, at least with the starting five of that rotation. And that's great to have going in with those expectations where these big things come from the national perspective from a lot of people, the family and friends that talk to all of us about these expectations for this basketball team. I think the continuity that they are able to put together from the very beginning, from day one, even before the start of camp when they get together for the open runs. And now you hear about Tobias Harris getting the team together, that veteran leadership, just everybody bonding early. They're going to need each other. And that we know that. You know that. Brian, you know that as well, that this is, this is going to be hopefully a special season. And if it is to come, the expectations that come with it, can they handle now being the hunted? Can they handle all of it that goes with it? And I think being together from the very beginning may help with that. Tell me if you're with me about this. And I don't think you necessarily need to be a uh, talk show host, uh, radio broadcaster, uh, reporter to get this type of sense of a team. I'm thinking of the Eagles in the early 2000s. I'm thinking of the Phillies in like the mid-2000s after the World Series run where there's a point in the team's timeline where you're still making the ascent. But then you get to the ascent, 
and you're still expected to maintain your perch at the top. And I always wonder with those teams, you know, how much of that is a crippling or suffocating effect? Like, I'm just amazed that the Golden State Warriors know how to pace themselves to get back to the finals year after year after year, and LeBron James doing the exact same thing. With the Sixers right now, they might be the hunted, but what I'm picking up on just being around the guys, there's this, this energy and freshness and excitement because they still feel like they've got to continue that climb, right? Like they didn't peak out at losing Game 7 in the second round to Toronto last year. I still feel like, especially for the guys like Joel and Ben and, and even Brett and, and Elton in particular, there's like work to be done still. Well, and that's why the bitter taste of losing in the second round last year and in the previous spring, you've got to let that linger a little bit. It's like the baseball season's winding down, teams are getting knocked out, and when you see a team on the field celebrating and then they show that shot, you know, it's the agony of defeat where the guys are still in the dugout and boom, their season just just came to a crashing halt. And they're staring out there watching the other team celebrate and obviously they're processing, wow, it's over. That's not us. We had all those expectations. The same thing in basketball. So to feel that bitter taste and, and, and never let it go away, to let that fuel you, that's what an athlete, you know, you gotta, you got to find motivation. These guys, these pro players, they find it in many different forms. To your point about getting to the top, look at the Patriots. You know, especially the way the NFL is today, like they get back there all the time. That's incredible. May never happen again with the way that that thing is uh, set up, salary cap wise. And and the other part of that, the other side of the coin is that you have veteran players. You have uh, even Joel and Ben. They've done it before. They've gone through the season. They've gone through the playoffs, and so they kind of they're going to be better at knowing how to handle it and getting up for you know, each and, and every game and, and meeting the challenge. And that's where guys like that Horford and even players like Kyle O'Quinn that have been around are going to be beneficial to the group in terms of helping to steer through, you know, the waters, even if it's dull water, you know what I mean? Even if it's not rocky uh, whitecaps that you have to navigate through, even if it's getting through December and January and, and pushing through like the, quote, unquote, the games you're supposed to win. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not easy to stay at the top. But, oh, by the way, and I go back to the phrase, you know, the Sixers are looking to achieve sustained success. You better get used to it, and you better get, you know, you know understand that this is how it's going to be. You look at Al Horford. He's been in the playoffs every year. And at some point you want to be able to say that for Joel and Ben. They've been in the playoffs 10 straight years. Well, you can't project forward a decade but you can certainly take care of the third straight year, and, and you got to do that right now. So it's mindset, it's pacing, and yet when it com- comes time to play at the right moment, playing all out and making sure you, you play with that energy and drive that, that keeps you at the top. Not sure what you guys thought. All in all, I felt the preseason was a success for the team. Sure. Got through it healthy. Four wins and a loss seemed like things on one side of the floor especially. There's a lot of promise there and came together. Um, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot, and I'll do the same with myself, even though I've had a little bit of time to think about it, I'll admit it, um, and ask you about things that might be able to translate and carry over from the preseason to the regular season. Why don't we start, Tom? Uh, we'll, we'll go with you, D. Why don't we go with the defense? The 76ers um, had the, I think, second-best defense in the preseason. How much 
do you think of what we saw from the defense is going to carry over into the regular season? Where do you think the defense has room to grow? I'm glad that's where you went because that's the first thing I was going to say was the defense. I think that's easily the one thing that we can point out to or I can point out to and say I think this carries over into the regular season. It's what Elton Brand, again, built this team on to know that this team defensively will be able to hold up against most teams around the league, and that's going to help. If they have some issues on any given night with their offense, is their defense going to be able to carry? Sometimes we may see that 98-90. to 92 win because down the stretch they had to win with their defense making free throws protecting the basketball things of that nature so yeah I think the defense that we saw during the preseason is exactly what we're going to get and I think we're also going to get see it ramped up with having the opportunity to see James Ennis out there on the floor a little more the way that Matisse Theibel has performed with that where now Brett Brown can go a little wild sometimes with his lineups where it can be Ben Simmons Matisse Thibel, Josh Richardson, James Ennis, and Al Horford, or Joel Embiid, however he wants to do it, it's going to be, I can't wait, that's the one, I cannot wait to see how creative Brett Brown and Emi Udoka are putting together the defensive strategy here with so many different things. Yes, these teams are going to try to counter with, oh yeah, you're big, let's go small. Okay, well we have that versatility that Tom was talking about, where you can go with so many different layers of 76ers defense here. I think that carries over to the regular season and hopefully, as we know later on, in the postseason. And that, to build off that for a second, Tom, defense is what everyone in the other building. We're, we're taping this podcast in the Charles Barkley Conference Room of the 76ers Business Office in Camden. And across the street, a 15-second walk, is the Basketball Operations Building. I mean, that's what I, I think, if you ask everyone over there to a person, what they think could get this team to where they ultimately want to go collectively it's defense, right? I agree. And because I, I don't think your three-point shooting is going to be as successful as it had been in years past and maybe even seasons past. So to Devon's point about the scores potentially being lower, it's very it's funny because Brett Brown always says if it's 92-92, I'm like, if it's 92 it's usually the third quarter. <laughs> no question. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be 98-92 either because it's usually 114 to right. 112. On the rare night. But. No, I think to your earlier point, Brian, about Elton Brand and the Sixers constructing the team and going with their strength in terms of the height and the D, uh, yeah, I think that is going to have to be, A, their calling card, and that's how Coach Brown wants the team to be defined. It has been that way uh, since he got here in terms of defense ruling the night. And then there are times I think you're going to have to have that be the case. Now, getting back to the whole preseason concept, the one thing I would say, like you, you mentioned to Devon about the defense, offensively, each diff, different players had good subsets of play, but not everybody. I mean, they played well. They lost that last game against Washington. To me, I think what's kind of exciting is because now you're going to see, now that the season's starting, normal rotations. Guys are going to kind of know where they're tied. They're going to play together longer. Ben missed a couple games. Joe set out the game in North Carolina. And so, you know, like Tobias had his moments in the preseason. Joel ended up pretty strong the last two games. We're, and now you're going to see a little bit of it coming together for consistent minutes and, and as a group. That, that's what's exciting because, again, going back to the earlier point I made, it's going to take time. It's a new group. It's a new season. And they, they want to come out swinging. But it's going to take time. They have a big road trip early in the season. They they have those two road games coming up over the weekend in Detroit and Atlanta. But for them to kind of meld, and, and that's what a great team does. That's one of my most favorite things, two things, the competition 
and and how guys rise to the challenge both individually and as a team that is these guys are incredible athletes and they seem to compete and to get after it with the drive is to me so enticing it's what brings you back and secondly um during games they're 48 minutes and the season is so long at different points in games and in in seasons different guys have their moments and that's how it'll be early on but collectively it's all going to mesh at some stage and that's when you become really potent and that's when you step back and go wow look at the potential here look what we just watched and what could this turn into all right so item number one for potential carryover from the preseason to the regular season the 76ers defense another area tom that i thought the sixers did really well in throughout the preseason on the glass overall, specifically the offensive rebounding. They crushed opponents in terms of their second-chance opportunities. And I know that Brett Brown will say he doesn't place much in preseason stats. Uh, I certainly am not uh, nearly as knowledgeable in basketball when it comes to Brett Brown. But I think there's some merit, though, to, to trends and what you see. And we saw two weeks' worth of trends. And they're four points better than the next closest team in the league in terms of second-chance scoring for the preseason. Um, I, th- I think that that's something that's telling, and clearly, given the size this team now has, you think they could probably back that up, you would hope. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And a lot of this, again, like you say, has to do with, with size. And then offensive rebounding is a mentality, you know, just still getting after it. And you're right, that can help to make up if, if the three-point shooting is not where it was last year. I don't know what the final number was, but where they averaged eight, nine, ten made threes a game. That type of getting more opportunities, obviously – is is beneficial and then coach probably has three other reasons why he doesn't put stock in preseason numbers but one of them might be because he's trying combinations it's not going to be kind of what i just talked about but like you say that that's certainly something that did occur five times so it does seem like that's going to be a part and puzzle you would hope but that's effort like defense and offensive rebounding those, those types of things that's that's gut check time, and so, and I think the Sixers are pretty strong in that area. And again, I think the size and athleticism helps out. And where I think that's important in that area, Tom, is if you are, if we're forecasting things, and maybe the shooting is not as it was the past few years, there may be some more opportunities. So those second chance points, those rebound opportunities, offensively could be there for you and you have so much size guys just crashing glass uh, knowing where the shot is going the box out if we're talking about the want to somebody like Al Horford we know is going to box out and that may leave an opportunity for someone else to get there and if Josh Richardson is sometimes at the top of the perimeter he's handling some things a little bit Tobias Harris as well that leaves Ben Simmons roaming around a little bit with his size as well those chances could be there for him to also clean up some mess this might be a little bit of a wonky stat to look up or trying to force feed a narrative. But one thing that stood out to me about the preseason games was just how frequently Joel Embiid got to the foul line. So I looked up, let's level it out on a per 36-minute basis and see how many free throw attempts Joel was generating the preseason. And that number was 14.6. So then I was like, okay, perfect world. When was the last time someone averaged at least 14 free throws per game on average in a season. And you'd have to go back to the year before this franchise's first title, 61-62, Wilt Chamberlain. Wow. The closest anyone's gotten to 14.5 was Shaq, and that was in the Lakers title season 2000-2001 when they beat the Sixers. So he averaged just over 13 free throws a game. 
if Joel Embiid can impose his will, and I know that there's a lot going on in preseason games that are funky and, and whatever, the Sixers, their competition was what it was, but that's going to do so much for this team too. I mean, you're talking about, hey, well, if we remove some of these players, we don't have the perimeter offense, where can we make up points in certain areas? Joel continuing to get to the free throw line, and oh, by the way, until that 10-second crazy delay of game violation from the line, <laughs> he only missed one foul shot. I think it was 30 attempts at that point. I think it was 29 for 30. That's and crazy. Then, and the number one thing, of course, is he can make those. Right. And what's great about it also is uh, as much as we love how he can shoot from the perimeter because it's an option, it's a weapon for him and for the team, where we know he can really get his work done is dominating in the post. And there are not a lot of people who can defend him on the low block with his variety of moves, his touch, everything that goes with it. He's going to get to the free throw line. And then I will also help things when the double team comes. And if he's able to see those double teams coming and the other teammates are moving and cutting as they know they should, there are going to be other scoring opportunities, maybe some easy looks, some easy buckets for them. But if he can somewhere in that per 36 get that 14 free throws a game with him shooting, let's say, 80-plus a night, a clip for him from the free throw line, that's going to be a big key for how this team moves and how the other teams getting those guys in foul trouble. I mean, that's that's important. You get them in foul trouble, you get that starter out of there, and the backup is now in there, then you you've caused some trouble for the opposition. It's amazing just how he continually he kind of baits the opposition to foul with the rip through move. In other words, he holds the ball firmly around his waist or his chest area with two hands, and you know the guy reaches. And then, boom, he, start, he goes on the upward motion and gets to the line. And to Devon's point, oftentimes, oh, okay, now the starter's got two fouls in the first four or five minutes, out. Here comes the second guy. He's not as good. He gets a foul or two. Oh, now we're in the bonus. He's going to the line. Um, so the veteran guys, like, for instance, against Detroit, you would think, and he's gotten drumming in foul difficulty, you would think they'd be able to sit down in, you know, in their stance and keep their hands out of the cookie jar, so to speak, and not foul Cantor with Boston. But some of the younger players continually foul Embiid, and, and then you know he's a handful when he's going to the basket, and you know he does. He draws a lot of foul. It'd be an amazing thing if he were to get 14 foul shots per game. Uh, and again, late in the game, to have a guy be consistent and dependable at the line is a is a major bonus for a team when when your best player is that capable at the stripe i thought one of the uh the more i'm not going to say funny uh but i was entertained by one of the questions at brett brown's um preseason media luncheon it might have been like i think it was and you guys were both there correct me if i'm wrong i thought it was maybe the second or third question and someone said to brett essentially all right let's get right down to it what is your crunch time offense? Like there wasn't even people hadn't finished their pasta dishes or focaccia bread. And we're talking, you know, first media availability of the season, crunch time offense. And Brett, as he understandably would say, it's like Joel Embiid is the crown, crown jewel. jewel. But I think there's options here. I mean, some nights it may not be able to be Joel simply by virtue of him not being available for a regular season game. It might be one of his, his rest games that he's not out there. Um, and I think this obviously circles back to Tobias Harris, and while he's not a quote-unquote new player to this team, we saw him for a couple months last year, it is going to be in a different role. And that could be just based on the fact that he's playing the three more than he will probably be playing the four. I'm really excited um, to see what Tobias Harris does with this new opportunity because after years of being in one place and then another and being dealt and traded, he's in a committed situation here, and 
this could really be what he has been searching for his entire career. I agree. So back to the crunch time, like in general, Coach Brown likes to put people in positions to score through concepts. But late in clocks and late in the game, you got to call a play. And they do. And then even a play has an iteration or two where if not this, then this. But to your point, and this is what people talk about with this, who's the go-to guy? And that's what that question was, whomever asked that question, uh, you know, at that restaurant, as you say, in that preseason sit-down with Coach. Uh, but it is sometimes difficult to get it to Joel in that he's on. you want to get it to him as close to the basket as possible. And so, obviously, that's one thing, and he's capable and then, you know, like Tobias, when he isos, oftentimes it's with a smaller player. you got to remember he's 6'9", and he doesn't mess around. You know, like now we haven't seen it a lot late, okay, because last year Jimmy Butler finished most of the games. They, they put him in space and gave him the ball. But Harris, he just turns, shoots, and scores. So it'll be, boy, if he could do that with the game on the line or just pull up and shoot over somebody off the dribble – That'll be, you know, there you go. There's one thing right there. But when you have Horford and, you know, who's in in pick-and-pop scenarios going to be involved, you definitely have some options. And as you say, it may not be the exact same thing every night. It may have different – it may take on different forms as the season moves along. And I think there are different ways, of course, as you're talking about, Tom, because even with Al Horford being that player for so many years who has done it and done it in different ways, I'm sure he's won some games for wherever he's been in the past. And even Josh Richardson, uh, one name that may not be brought up a lot about it, he had a lot of work to do in Miami before coming here to Philadelphia, and a lot of times that offense ran through him. So in those key situations like that, can Brett Brown call on him when maybe he's the least expected of the starting five if that is, in fact, the lineup that will be out there in crunch time for him to go get it? He does have the experience of, in fact, doing that. So uh, it, it, it's there, we know it's going to come down at some point to Brett Brown having to call that type of play. All, all games are not going to be uh, as, as wide a margin as some may want. And the, he has many options, I think, that he can go to in that regard. But it's going to be interesting too because a lot of times you don't see the big man as that closeout, but he is the crown jewel and Brett Brown will call that number and I'm sure Joel Embiid will step up to that challenge. And it might be Embiid making a play. Absolutely. Look at the Brooklyn game, got a bit of a busted play, you know, but he's moving the We're ball. We're talking about him finding Mike Scott in the yeah. corner. Mm-hmm. He's moving the ball to somebody else because he did command attention and, you know, like Coach Brown, like I guarantee he's been working on this the whole time. You know, like you just don't like, oh my gosh, it's we're tied with 30 seconds, you know, like this, he is constantly going over this type of thing, exactly those scenarios, even way before they happen. That's the preparation. And he talks about concepts and not being married to a certain specific play. And I think that with the different options the Sixers have, that could play to their strength as well. This might segue uh, nicely into another topic I wanted to hit with you guys before we wrap up. Speaking of having different options, um, and you mentioned Josh Richardson's name, that brings us into the discussion of what's happening when Ben Simmons is either not on the court or if they potentially slide him to another spot on the court like we saw in the postseason. So it seems like Richardson, maybe even more than so, I'm not trying to put uh, read Brett Brown's or, or overinterpret his thoughts, but it sounded like in the beginning of the preseason – the tone Brett had talking about Josh Richardson as the backup one was like, yeah, he's done it, and I kind of want to see where it is. But then 
it seemed like he was more and more intrigued by it as the preseason went along where we saw him get the start, talking about Richardson at point, when Ben missed the final two preseason games. But then you also have Hul Nato and Trey Burke, two veterans that have been through it, they've been around. And I don't know, I, I almost kind of feel like this won't be a who is the backup at all times. It might be situational based on the opponent or what the game needs. You need shooting? Well, maybe there's one guy who can give you a little bit more than that. Do you need someone to break down a defense? There's another guy who can give you a touch more than that. I don't know. What do you guys think of, of how the backup point guard uh, role might be filled? That's what makes this so fun because today's NBA, you don't always necessarily need, quote-unquote, a backup point guard. You can just have someone who can initiate the offense with what they do. And Josh Richardson, as Brett Brown alluded to, has done it in the past. We just talked about him being the guy from Miami for the most part. If some of those players were down and even Trey Burke and Howell Nato coming in, what about Tobias Harris from time to time initiating things from the top of the key? If he feels like, let me throw the defense off a little bit with Matisse Thibel, just handling the basketball to make things go with the motion offense that Brett Brown likes to run, and it doesn't necessarily have to do that. Ben Simmons is going to play a lot of minutes. We know that. He's an all-star level player. He's a franchise player. He's going to play a lot uh, as the lead ball handler. But I think at first it will be Josh Richardson, and then he will mix in situationally, Brian, as you pointed out, Trey Burke, Hau Nato, to see where it goes depending on who the team is. Who are the people also coming in with Hau Nato? Who's coming in? So if there's a, a smaller player coming in from Team X and he wants to counter with another smaller player, you know, no disrespect to Trey Burke and Hau Nato versus a 6'6", Josh Richardson, that's where he's going to go. He's going to go with that one, maybe match it up better and and, and get a little creative that way. That's, what again, what makes this team so fun. So many different areas that Brett Brown can go with with how Elton Brand put this roster together. It's going to be great. Yeah, I was just going to say, Coach alluded to Friday prior to the game when Neto didn't play that he kind of already had an idea where he was going to go. Um, and Will, like last year with Jonathan Simmons and James Ennis III, he set up like a little tournament internally to see how those guys performed. Um so I, I think you made a good point, Brian. There are there's there's certainly a multiple options in those three things, um, with Richardson and Neto and Trey Burke and, and definitely and, and Shake Shake saw some time oh, yeah, there. In the I forgot about yeah. Shake. Yeah. Yeah. Shake's going to play too. And I just think that Burke. We all know he can score. There there's going to be a game, a series of games, whether it's week or month or whatever, where he comes in and just racks up points because there's going to be times you need that. And he has that capability as a proven scorer who's explosive, who all of a sudden he gets you 10 points in a pivotal quarter versus so-and-so. And you look back, you're like, remember that Trey Burke game? And so he's got that. And then Neto has been very impressive in all areas. I mean, he's he's really – I thought he, he, he looked pretty good so far. Pretty steady, right, yep. Tom? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Not just hold, the, hold it down, but good. Yes. You won't have to stay assigned to the – date range I'm about to give you. You can jump in when and wherever, but we'll start with Tom, go to Devon, and then I'll wrap it up, and this will bring to a close our season preview edition of the podcast. We'll play a game that I like to call in two months, in about five months, and then in about seven months. What are we going to be talking about? So TMAC, two months from now, which would put us right around Christmas. Milwaukee Bucks coming into South Philadelphia, first Christmas Day game in South Philly, and who knows how long. You have to go back to the 80s. Um, what do you think we'll be talking about in terms of the 76ers two months into the regular season? Well, hopefully everything we've touched on. Do you know what I'm saying? Where the defense has ruled the day, they're, 
they've made up for this or that, you know, with, uh, you know, the, all the different areas. And, you know, you'd like to be sitting on top of the division and you'd like to be whatever it is, eight or ten games over 500 at that stage. And, you know, they've again, they, it's a it's a road-heavy schedule early on for that first month or so when you consider, you know, the, as I said, the two games in Detroit and Atlanta, then you go out and you face Portland, Phoenix, Utah, Denver, come home for just a couple days and go back out and you face Oklahoma and I believe Cleveland is in that route, maybe Orlando on a back-to-back. So, you know, I don't know that the Sixers are going to be, you know, 25-2. and two. And so getting better, I mean, that, that's what a coach looks at, that we are progressing, that, you know, Knockwood, everybody has stayed healthy, that the roles are beginning to identify themselves, that all these things, the depth and the versatility have proven in game situations to be true, and that, you know, the Sixers, this group, this 1920 Sixers team is beginning to create an identity. Like who we are conceptually is it going to be a defensive team? All those, everything that we've discussed and that is, that is you know been said about the Sixers that it starts to you show it in fruition you know through the first couple months of the season. That's after two months and six months, Mr. Devon. What are we going to be saying about the 76ers when they get ready to wrap up just about the 2019-20 regular season in the middle of April? Seeding. Where are you in the Eastern Conference and not only in the Eastern Conference because, of course, you want whole field advantage if you get to the Eastern Conference finals, but you also look at the Western Conference and the way things are so stacked out West as they have been for the last few years. Is there a possibility like last year where Toronto faced Golden State and you are maybe second in the conference, but you're still ahead of the Western Conference team that's representing the West Coast Western Conference team in the NBA Finals where we're talking about the Sixers hosting game number one of the NBA Finals here in Philadelphia at the center. So I think that seeding is is definitely going to be there. And number two, the health of Joel Embiid. Uh, Brett Brown talks a lot about how, yes, we want to see the regular season Joel Embiid and him being his dominant self. And, of course, he wants to be defensive player of the year and you need games and minutes and statistics to do those things. But when it all comes down to it, since we did not see the best of him against the Brooklyn Nets and the Toronto Raptors for the 18-19 playoffs, how healthy is Joel Embiid going to be as we get ready to walk into as the number one seed with the health of Joel Embiid, your best player, getting ready for those series? My math was off in the beginning. The name of this game, for anyone out there who really wants to play with your family and friends, huddle around the fireplace and give it a try. Two months, six months, eight months. So T-Mac did two months. Devon did six months. I'll do eight months. Sure. I know I might be the ultimate hype man and a real takey guy at all times, but uh, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't say this unless there was reason to say it. I feel like there's a very good chance that uh, the 76ers will still be playing basketball. Maybe they'll be done, uh, freshly done by June 15th. I think a lot of that is, A, driven by the roster that the team has put together, but also the way the Eastern Conference is now looking as well. I think that those two factors could align nicely to help the 76ers get back to the finals for the first time since 2001. Don't know what's going to happen after that. Who knows? Who knows? All of this, I know with you guys, too, is said with a caveat and full display disclaimer of uh, the team being healthy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a must, but... Uh, I think, wrap, tying this back to the beginning, there's there's every reason for the talk to be as it has been about this team. Um, and they're looking pretty darn good. A lot of excitement. Looking forward to it. All righty, fellas. 
Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers. Got it, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, man. Tom McGinnis, your soundtrack to 76ers basketball on the radio. And Devon Givens, the best. Hosting weeknights, hosting on weekends, essentially hosting all the time on 97.5 The Fanatic, where you can listen to each and every 76ers basketball game this season. Hope you enjoyed this annual, official, obligatory season preview edition of the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. And at that point, the season will be well underway. And we'll discuss. See ya. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.